What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Screen Looker Podcast. My name is Martin Ben. Welcome to the show. Uh, along with me today, we have some of the good folks from apptrigger.com. We have Deputy Editor snooping through the lanes, trying to tell us all about video games, Rebecca Valentine. <laughs> what up, fam? <laughs> <laughs> what up, fam? <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Someone does. Always does. Um, and uh, Oliver, how you doing today, my man? I'm good, except I thought it was finally going to be my turn to say what up, fam. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I would have let you. She's been waiting. Snoops right on and just takes your shine. I'm sorry. I'll give it to you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So let's just get the show started this week. Uh, What are you all playing? I know that uh, we got a lot of on our plate, so I'll save... uh, save you for last Rebecca with all of your things but uh all right. <laughs> Oliver what have you been playing this week man you know I've been I've been doing a lot of the old school games this week I've, I've been taking advantage of uh of the game pass the Xbox one game pass so I've been doing uh, a little bit of Bioshock Infinite oh. and uh, I've been playing through that again I've, I've still never actually finished it so I'm starting it over for about the seventh time Oh, yeah, yeah. I've never finished a single Bioshock game, so, you know. I, uh... <laughs> and that's not to say that I've really even tried. I played a demo of the first one, and I was like, nope, and uh, it's never happened after that. And then I've been playing a little bit of Mad Max for the same reason. I've never played it, and it's 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 up on the Game Pass, so I've been playing a little bit of that, and it's actually surprisingly good for what it is. You know, that's going to lead a lot into the last conversation I want to have later today. So I'll leave my thoughts on uh, what I thought of my limited time with that game for then, too. Um, But that's cool. Uh, Is there anything you've discovered in the seventh time playing through Bioshock Infinite that you didn't see the first couple times? No, not really yet. I haven't gotten the, I haven't gotten the part I haven't played yet. So right now it's it's actually kind of a slog where I'm. Yep, yep. There's that again. There's that again. So, but I wanna I wanna get. I know I I, I have a vague idea of what the ending is, but I want to see it for myself. So I'm just I'm just trying to get to the end at this point. I got you. I got How? You. What is it like? So when I play through games, I do one of two things. I either beat them. Or I stop, you know, maybe I didn't have time or maybe I didn't like the game or there's some reason that made me stop. But I find it really, really hard to come back to games after a long period of time and especially to start them over. Like what what compelled you to come back to a game and try to see an ending again? I really, really like Bioshock Infinite, but I got to a point. um, Well, the first time I I didn't get played through because the computer I was playing it on died. And so then it was starting over again anyway. Okay. Uh, but and then it's, I just I've I've gotten to a point a couple of times where it's like okay I can't get past this I'm gonna let it be and then a new game comes out or something like that and that takes up my time and months go by and then I'm sitting there going well if I pick it up right here I'm gonna have no idea where I am or what I'm doing so I'll start over and and that's basically where we're at today. Okay, that's really interesting. Basically, I have a short attention span. Well, that's all right. It's the moral of that story. 
Yeah, I did that with uh, Final Fantasy 13, a game that took me four years to finally finish wow, all the way through. Four years. Four years of starting, getting to a point, stopping, coming back, starting over, getting to that same point, stopping, starting over, getting to that same point, stopping. Oh then, my like, God. two years later, I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down. I'm not going to start over this time. I'm just going to play. Because the problem with that game, as everyone knows, is it's a 30-hour opening to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, 30 hours to establish this world and the principles and, like, all your characters. Like, you don't get, like, in, uh, you know, Final Fantasy, everyone has, like, the special abilities and stuff. Well, within Final Fantasy thirteen, they switched it up because... Previously, it was like, oh, you get a stone that has, like, this creature, and then the creature helps you, and you can just call on different ones at different times, like, you summon them. In 13, the case was each different character has their own, like, inner, uh, inner, like, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? What are, what are the aeons? Like, it has, like, an inner aeon, I guess, if you want to call it that, that they can turn into or call upon to help them in battle. So you don't get all of those until like over 30 hours into the game. And so you have to follow each character along their paths and all that stuff to when they get that. And that moment happens where they come out um, for that first opening. It's it's well done. It's just a slog to get through because it's not like it's it's still Final Fantasy combat and gameplay, but the story doesn't move for that long. So anyway uh rebecca what are you playing oh my god i'm playing a lot of games so i am still playing yonder the cloud catcher chronicles which i still can't really talk too much about except to say that it's very pretty and the animals are very cute um but that i think i have to look at the calendar but i'm pretty sure that i'll be able to talk about that next week finally i'll be i'll have a lot to talk about next week actually um i recently received a nintendo 2ds for review um, and i can't talk about that actually um i can't talk about the game that i got with it um Metopia, which i'm working on but i can't talk about that game at all um but the nintendo 2ds xl it's <sighs> nintendo is really frustrating to me because i love nintendo like a lot like i love their games i love their hardware i love what they do um i have i get just so much enjoyment out of playing pretty much everything that they release well for the most part um, but I'm really frustrated because the Nintendo, new Nintendo 2DS is really good. Like, it's the be- probably the best iteration of the 3DS or the DS so far. Like, it's, it's sleek, it's lightweight, um, it's really, really comfortable to hold. Um, everything, just like the physical design of it is just really, really nice. Um, I, don't, I don't need the 3D. Like, I don't, I don't care about playing in 3D very much. It's a, cool, it's a cool thing, and I think the new Nintendo 3DS did a really good job of implementing the 3D, but, like, I just don't care about it enough to pay extra money for it. Um, and it's just like a really nicely designed system, but the issue is it's coming out like at the end of this month. Like how long has the 3DS and the 2DS been on the market? Like forever. And I just wish, I wish when I had originally bought my 3DS that I had had all of the options that are available now. Like there's the Nintendo 3DS and the 2DS, the new Nintendo 3DS and the new Nintendo 2DS. Um, you can get the XL sizes, you can get little plates to cover them or all these different designs. And I just like, if I'm if I'm going to the store, I would love to like sit down and say this is the system I need, and there's like a billion different ways to customize it, and then just pick which one of those I want to do instead of buying like the most basic version of it, and then every you know six months or so they come out with a slightly different version that I would have liked better and maybe is more cost effective, but as I already have a system, it's just not worth buying. 
So that's my current frustration with the 2DS, but it's a really nice system. I'll probably have a review going up on App Trigger of that probably on Monday. Um, so I'm playing that. Um, let's see, uh, I'm playing, can I talk about any of the other things I'm playing? No, I can't talk about any of the other things I'm playing. Um, <laughs> I think that's All right. it. That works. Yeah. Um, well, that's Next cool. week. It'll be a big week next week. <laughs> uh, so yeah. are they, is, is Nintendo actually going to release enough 2DS, 2DS XLs that people can buy them if they actually want to buy them? Or is it is it going to be the same situation as every other piece of equipment they've released in the last three years? I would assume. I mean, I, I would love to rag on Nintendo for this because they piss me off just as much as it sounds like they piss you off with this. Um, <laughs> but I actually think the demand for the new Nintendo 2DS probably isn't going to be super high. I mean, I'm sure they'll sell. But because, I mean, everyone already has a DS. Like, who who needs to buy a new one right now? No one, maybe. So, I mean, yeah, I think it'll... Children. Yeah, yes. I don't know. I mean, it might be really good at Christmas time, but I, I think they'll have enough just by virtue of there not being just this crazy need for them. My general philosophy is why is the 3DS and the 2DS still being pushed? But generally, all right, cool. Glad that there's another option on the table for people. Um, they, I, I'm still kind of not sure what they're planning on doing there. I, I'm kind of in the camp, but it sounds like they're going to very gradually taper it off. Unlike the Wii U where they just sort of let it die overnight. Um, it sounds like they're going to keep releasing like little (laughs) software pieces for it. Honestly, Ever Oasis was amazing. I had a really great time with that game. Um, and I, I wish they would have publicized it more because I think it probably could have sold a lot better if they would have made a big deal out of it. It was a very, very fun game. One hyphenated word is the only problem that I have with that. Cross by. I <laughs> you, know. If you own a Nintendo Switch, there is no reason at all that 3DS games cannot play on it. Yeah, so here's the other kind of crappy thing about that. So I still have my Nintendo 3DS. I'm probably going to, I mean, I don't know, I'll do something with it. But um, all my all my data for like all my downloaded games, all my stuff is on my um, new Nintendo 3DS that I had, and I'm gonna make my new Nintendo 2DS my main system now. So, because my 3DS is getting really old, um, so I tra- well, it's it's like showing its wear, which tells you how old the system is. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I sat down with it and I went ahead and transferred um, all of my downloads and stuff. And it was it was a pretty simple process. I mean, it took you know like I think it took like a, a 20 minute like transfer. It it really wasn't too bad. It transferred all my information, all my purchases, all my stuff. I can re-download games if I want. Like it was really good. Um, but the problem is, if I have already, um, like, if I had, say, say I went out and bought a 2DS and I wanted to trade in my 3DS um, for credit towards that, depending on where I was buying it, um, it's still the same problem, where if I trade it in, then therefore the process of getting my data transferred onto the 2DS is just like this agonizing thing. Mm, yeah, I'm very aware of to, the yeah, pain that comes with transferring things from nintendo systems yeah so it's hopefully. definitely still a thing <laughs> hopefully it'll be easier uh with their new console now that they have the unified account system and all that stuff should be there's i keep i say this as if it's not nintendo but it should be very easy <laughs> and you should just have your cloud purchases able to transfer from one to the next but all right um I mean, I actually haven't really played too much this week. Uh, work is a lot at the moment. So I do, uh, since I'm um, in consulting, there's always 
peaks and valleys in terms of when I have time to do stuff. So what I did on July 4th is I watched movies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Both the Independence Day movies? Did you watch those aliens invading all over again? Here's the thing. I would love to watch the Independence Day movies again. Unfortunately, like I watched the second one, and uh, they were planning a sequel in that movie from five minutes into it. And yeah, nah, it, it just didn't do anything for me. Um, and then the first one, while I like that movie, like it's not a movie I just put on. Like it would have it's it it's the perfect FX movie because if yeah. it's on. I'll leave it on. But I never like when I look through movies that I want to watch. Independence Day is n- never the one I'm like, oh, yes, I have to watch this one. Um, nah, but I watched uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I watched Avatar for the first time. That movie is um, something. Um, <laughs> uh, I watched Logan again because my sister hadn't seen it. Um, and then, uh, what else did I watch? Uh, I watched Beauty and the Beast, um, which has many thoughts around it as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time watching movies this week instead of playing games. But uh, there are games that I'm looking forward to, um, begrudgingly so, um, that will be available in the next uh, couple of weeks for beta. And that is Destiny 2's beta launch which is coming on July 18th to PlayStation 4 pre-order owners and then July 19th for Xbox One pre-order owners. And then the open beta opens on July 21st with everything ending on the 23rd. Um, So included in this, there will be a mission, which is the homecoming mission that they showed off before. A strike, which was the strike they allowed everyone to play at E3. Uh, the PvP mode countdown, as well as all the new classes. Um, yeah, it's Destiny. Uh, <laughs> uh, so everything that was in Daniel's write-up for Destiny at E3 is what will be available for players um, starting on the 18th for PS4 owners. Um, do y'all have any specific thoughts about Destiny 2's beta launch? Well, so this is this is... It's going to launch on the 18th and then run through the 23rd for people who pre-order, or it's ending and then the open beta starts? Um, if they do it like last time, it just stays open, and then everyone gets access later. That so, seems... I, I mean, I guess an extra three days is, is neat for some people. I, I've never understood the the running the betas back-to-back. It seems like... It seems like there's be no reason for me to pre-order for three days more of playing an unfinished game. But you know, other than that, hey man, that's uh, so snarky. <laughs> right, rightfully perhaps, but <laughs> the way you phrased that was funny. <laughs> it is snarky though. I mean, I I was sitting there the other day because. As as noted in recent comments that I've made on this show, I'm not exactly happy with the way in which Destiny 2 is going. Um, so that goes into like the second part of the Destiny 2 news that came this week. So IGN had their uh, first look 
uh, with uh, Luke Smith and another guy from Bungie talking about some of the design things they changed in the sequel. Um, and one of the things the guy said in that was like, he was like, you know, these are players that you're going to be with for several years. And I was like, no, several is like four or more. It's going to be a few years because this was three years with the last characters. And now I have to start completely over again. Don't just say that I'm going to get things for this long period of time when you're obviously going to make another version and another numbered entry. Um, But there will be locked loadouts, apparently, in these missions. There will be milestone icons that you can watch. And there will be this thing called the farm which is uh, in similar to in the previous version of the game, there was the tower where you were at. Um, so now you'll be at the farm since the tower has been destroyed, as shown in all of the um, video footage. So as someone knowing nothing about Destiny 2, comparing mm-hmm. just, the, just the names of those two things, the tower, I mean, that sounds, that sounds very dramatic. That sounds like a place that I want to go and, I don't know, fight some things, have an adventure. The farm uh, uh, does not sound very intimidating. Here's the thing. You did none of that at the tower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know density. Well, I, I was just going to say I was going to break it down. Uh, the tower is the area that you. So here was the most annoying part of destiny. You you would go out on a mission like you would be at the tower. You would get a mission from a vendor. You would have to then leave the tower, which puts you in a loading screen, which was in a ship that you couldn't control that just showed them flying along the planes or you would have to go far enough that you'd have like this sequence of like uh fast clouds running at you so it looks like you're doing like yeah like you know the sequence in star wars whenever they want to like say they're going like warp speed or something like that that's essentially what it is it does that for like five minutes then you load you get to the planet you do the mission you can run around and do other things and then you leave the planet and then you have to do the same animation to go back to the tower to redeem the mission reward from the vendor who has been talking to you in your ear the entire time so could have given it to you at the point that you actually finished the mission so that was what the tower was for. It was just a place to get missions and buy things and sort weapons and all that stuff. So people like this video game, right? People <laughs> like this video game. I like this video game. No, I'm sure it's a great video game. I'm speaking from a place of ignorance. No, 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 well, no. I am, you're, not, you're, I am you're... not by any stretch a huge devotee <laughs> to Destiny. But, but yeah, the tower is, is basically the hub. It's, it's where you go and hang out and get your emotes and whatnot. Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. It's it, there's nothing dramatic about the tower except the way they talk about the tower and then you do nothing in the tower. Um and the same thing is pretty much going to be the case for the farm. It's where you go, it's where the vendors are, you do all the stuff. But there's a soccer pitch this time where you can have about 26 people apparently and you can play a full soccer match somehow. I And yeah. that's what I'll get Destiny 2 for so that I can play <laughs> soccer. Do you play Rocket League? you know what's funny is there are a lot of people that are genuinely excited about that because they had in the tower they had a random soccer ball you could like kick around and stuff but the thing was is like there was like you can't kick or anything in destiny so literally it's just like the ball would be right in front of you then if you ran like too fast or at the wrong angle like it would just kick way away from you it was I don't know how this is going to work. It'll be interesting. 
apparently on the 23rd at 10 a.m. Pacific time, they want everyone to get on at the same time to go to the farm and do all that stuff there. Um, but I mean, yeah. that sounds like a, that sounds like a nice server test. I'm not. I, I don't know why you would be excited <laughs> to play soccer, but. <laughs> Right, like I'm like thing, but whatever. I, yeah, I'll try it. I guess it's it's a weird thing, man. I don't the way the dust like the way Bungie people talk about Destiny. It makes you want to be really into it, but I've become so immune to it at this point because they talk about the most mundane, normal things about video games as if it's revolutionary. And I'm like, look, man, just just talk to me like a normal person. All right, this is where the vendors are. This is where you're gonna go. And they're like, you know, the the guardians all feel as if the and and I know it's marketing, but I don't know. At a certain point, it just it just rolls off of me, and I'm just like, whatever. I don't really care for marketing speak. Um, well, the pro- the problem with that is is how much the developers have to explain about the background again. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, I guess if, if the story in Destiny 1 had incorporated soccer in some way, and I don't know how you do that, but if you had incorporated soccer in a way that it's exciting that you can play it, I get it. But, I mean, a soccer ball bouncing around the tower is not, well, now I get to kick it. That's just not, and, and it goes the same thing with the story. It's all the background that developers love to tell, the website that, that goes along with Destiny. All that stuff is really cool. It would be cool if, and, and hopefully they have found a way to incorporate that into the actual game this time so that you don't have to spend the rest of your free time doing research on these things because they're not explained at all in the game. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, Rebecca, uh, you can actually learn more about Destiny by reading the Grimoire, which is all of the lore. Um, if you read that, you'll know more about Destiny than people who've played a thousand hours and never touched it. Okay, uh, <laughs> what would be what would be my motivation for doing such a thing? Do you enjoy star fantasy galaxy type <laughs> of stuff? Like space fantasy, that's all it is. It's that's it. Like you're just reading the backstories on all of these things because in the game you'll just see a guy and they'll be like, Oh, he's terrible. And you'll be playing them, and you'll beat them, and then you'll get to the end of it, and they'll be like, "You've, you've, you've, uh, you've stopped the scourge of, of, of uh, what's a, what's one of the names of uh, man? I am completely blanking on names. I'm gonna tell you a secret, things. Martin. You are not motivating me to read this lore or play this game. Right Don't now. do it. Don't do it. Don't be better than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fall for it. <laughs> oh man anyway they did announce some things that are interesting uh so they have locked loadouts so you walk into an area and whatever guns you have when you walk in those are the only guns you can have for the major the duration of that area mission time frame whatever um and then <laughs> they were excited about this but i'm not sure how excited i am but icons on the map um so previously rebecca you could not look at a map of the of the planets you were on you just had to walk around and figure out where things were Uh, and it would tell you when you got to a place but there was really no way to know where you were on a map or anything like that but now they have maps and with those maps they have icons 
so now you can see everything and where it's coming and all that stuff even the public events which were great for me because i was always like well when is one coming and all that stuff but i also kind of like being on a planet and things just kind of happening so i don't know destiny 2 is going to be weird it's going to be something uh allow me to reiterate my utter disinterest <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of dig the, the map edition, but that's that's how I like to play games. I, I'm not a real big, and we'll obviously talk about this later too, but I'm not a big uh, wander around trying to find stuff guy. So I like I like the idea of the map being able to directly lead me to where I need to go in order to start fighting the, the guy who I can then read about offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll get into that a little bit more later you know um, i want to gripe about them doing that but one of the things i love about overwatch is the fact that they have all this extra lore that's not in the game it's just on the internet and so i i can't i can't be contradictory like that it's literally the number one reason i give no cures to play overwatch it's like you have Ditto. all these great once i found out that none of the animated stuff that they were doing was in the game i was like well, what the hell <laughs> I was so on a cartoon that I was going to play through with crazy gorillas and wild looking people <laughs> and then I open it up and there's no cartoon <laughs> yeah not in the same way that's, I, that's why I've never been able to get into Overwatch it's because it's, it's the same thing of oh this character seems really interesting if you can find the website and all the videos that show why he's interesting then you're excited yeah um so let's just jump into that. There's a new character from Overwatch that was announced, Doomfist. Which, Doomfist. Yeah, yeah. You wanna you wanna tell us a little bit more about Doomfist? You know, I wish I could tell a lot about him, but I honestly have not done my due diligence, and I have <laughs> not played enough Overwatch. Like, I've I've been playing all these Nintendo games lately, so I haven't I haven't really touched Overwatch. Um, they've been teasing him for a long time, though. I can I can say that. Um. He's actually one of the heroes that we knew about fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they they had just mentioned him. He'd been kind of hidden away in all this lore. There was a map where you were actually... The, so, Doom... It's I don't know a lot about superheroes either, but it's a little bit like superheroes in that instead of there being just, like, one guy whose name is Doomfist, the Doomfist is like a weapon. It's a, it's a big fist that looks like Doom. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it gets passed on... Um, through these different generations. And so we had kind of seen like little hints about what had happened to the previous two Doomfists. And now there's a brand new one. And I guess he's evil. Um, I guess That's he's a member of Talon. I, I don't, I haven't looked, I haven't played the game. I haven't even opened the game. I need to open the game. I'm like really excited about it. Um, the other thing I've heard about him is that he's a, he's kind of a glass cannon with an emphasis on the glass and a little less emphasis on the cannon. Ah, oh, that's not good. Um, well, he's still on the PTR, though, so they're still balancing him. There's time yet. Oh, yeah. I, I just meant, like, in terms of, like, the way you want your glass cannon to be, you want more cannon than glass, if anything. <laughs> that you do. <laughs> that you do. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, I uh, I don't, like we were just saying, I don't really play Overwatch, and neither does Oliver, so I appreciate you nope. breaking down those impressions of him a little bit. Um, so who's Talon? And uh, is that just like, because I've been in a couple matches and I don't remember them even mentioning Talon in the game um, as I was playing. But what's Talon? 
Talon is the organization that Overwatch is fighting. Um, it was founded by Reaper and, uh, uh, crap, what's her name? Widowmaker, I guess. Um, and I think uh, Sombra is a part of it too. And they basically uh, don't like Overwatch and they're out to cause mayhem of some sort. I, there's lore here. I haven't played Overwatch in a while. Cut me some slack. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I I didn't know I was going to be the resident Overwatch expert today. I wish Matt Becker was here. I thought that o- Michael Owens had to drop out on today's episode without. Oh, that's true. He, doesn't he know things about so Overwatch? I I added it because I thought he was going to be on, and he wrote the article on it, so I figured oh, <laughs> it would be it. good. Well. To have. Um, but things I do know about uh, are. The uh, nemesis that you had within Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor, which will now be transferring across into Shadow of War. If you uh, play the game in the latest update for Shadow of Mordor, um, and you can get that game for really cheap, like across all devices if you wanted to. But in the game, you have the nemesis system, which allows for you to have like these enemies that like you can defeat and then they can defeat you and if they defeat you they like raise up the ladder and so each time you defeat them or each time they defeat you they like become like nemesis with you and so that's why it's the nemesis system so then if you open up shadow of war however many months down the line and you have that save file on your system it will then pull in the your previous nemesis and now that person will be a nemesis for you or enemy for you within the new Shadow of War. And your um, your old foes will become new again, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh, so I thought this was a pretty cool feature. Um, something that can transfer from the first game to the second game, even though it's a brand new name. You know, even though it may be a sequel of some kind. It's almost like they were like, you put in a lot of time into this shadow of mordor and we appreciate that so we're going to bring something over that will you will instantly recognize um from your previous time playing the game uh, something other games mentioned previous to this point could definitely learn uh- <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what you're talking about <laughs> Oh man. Uh the so uh Destiny 2 uh if you were a Destiny player the only thing you get is emblems. Emblems. That's what you get in Destiny 2 Rebecca. You get an emblem. Oh. oh an emblem. <laughs> Sounds like something I want, yeah. You know how you get all those loot boxes in in Overwatch and they give you like the spray paint and stuff like that, things that are mostly useless cuz it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, that's what they give you. Uh <laughs> Well, okay. But yeah, so Shadow of War will allow for this to take place and for this to happen. It'll be uh, it'll be pretty cool um, for those who played the previous one. Um, you have something that's going to be awaiting you in the new one. That seems pretty cool. I am I still haven't finished the first one. That might be something to to finish. A reason for to finish the first one now is to see what how exactly that's going to work for the second one because. I usually kill all my nemesises, so I'm not sure exactly how they're going to pop up in the next game, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's that's the thing I was thinking about, too, is like, you know, it was never hard enough that there was one that I, like, 
didn't kill at all. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. Maybe they'll just like rebirth them or something like that. I don't know. Um, I that is a game that looks incredibly intriguing for me, just because it seems to have a very different. I don't know a very a very different take on how you fight and how you consider who to fight. Um, and I never, I did not play the first one, and I'm I'm kind of thinking I might have to like actually check out the new one. It's like four bucks. The the first one's four bucks now, so you should. Is it really? Why is it four bucks? What's it's up with on, that? Sale. It's on like every sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, is it, it not good? Is that why? It's no, so cheap? no, it's uh, it's that thing that uh, they do is kind of like uh, like it's a highly rated game, and they have a sequel coming out. And what's the best way to get people interested within mm, your yeah. new game? Let them yes, play the course. old one. So of course, yeah. It's like when Metro, like Metro's been on sale, the the like Redux pack for the PS3 games has been on sale on PS4 like all the time. I think I got both of those games for ten bucks, uh, and I was like, well, I don't know why this game keeps going on sale. It's rated pretty well. Oh well, Destiny or not Destiny, Metro Exodus was announced at E3, and I was like, oh, everything makes sense. <laughs> um. In, in other news of uh, Old Foes Reborn, Horizon Zero Dawn gets a new game plus mode um, to go along with uh, a ultra hard mode, as well as some other things, including higher level weapons and all those things to uh, take on these uh, new game plus and ultra hard modes that they have added in there. Um, I think they also added like new poses into the camera mode and then uh, face paint that you can put on um aloy and all those things so if you well this is your department martin oh man let me tell you are you so happy i i have i literally deleted horizon the other day because i was like man (laughs) well i because i beat it i was i was literally done like i didn't have anything else left to do and i was like all right well you know maybe maybe i'll uh i'll just go ahead and get rid of it get some space but this is like now I need to download it back again. <laughs> yeah, I bet you're feeling pretty silly now. <laughs> well, they didn't say it was coming. I didn't know. Uh, but now this gives me another reason to go through, and I'll probably end up taking another, like, 500 pictures of that game as I did the first time <laughs> that I played through it. Of Aloy and face paint. <laughs> well, she can pose now for the camera in, oh, in, the, in, the, in the camera mode. <laughs> so, like, you can make her, like, lay down and, like, pose. on Like, it's... They've done a lot of things to make that game better since even the time that I bought it. Like, my biggest complaints about the game were all addressed within the first month of me finishing it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I look forward to going back and playing New Game Plus mode with that one. God, I wish I had ever been able to get interested in that game. Man, God, I wish I had time. It looks, it just looks incredible. Uh, guys, guys, uh, a lady, guy and lady. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You you can say guys. I'm I'm cool. No, no, no. Uh, you all, as I say at work, you all. Uh, <laughs> it's it's easy way to get around it. Um, you all should at least turn on the game. If 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 you if you have, oh, have. Yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, my husband owns the game, and mm-hmm. he's been playing it uh, quite a, quite a bit. Uh, when it first came out, and I'm trying to coax him to open it up again. It's just, <laughs> no, it, and it's nothing whatsoever against the game. He was like enthralled by it, but we mm-hmm. just we are ridiculously busy people. But it is yeah. on his list, and I, 
I do like I like sitting there. I like I like sitting next to him when he's playing games, especially if he's playing a console game and I have a portable game like to review or something, because then mm-hmm. I can get work done and also experience like this other game. Mm-hmm. And that's how I experienced most of the Uncharted series, which was amazing. <laughs> it was, which was awesome to watch someone play, by the way, because it was just like watching a movie, yeah. especially the fourth game. Um, but I was hoping to do that with Horizon Zero Dawn too. So I might I might give him a nudge and tell him to open it back up again. <laughs> you should. You should. No, my, um, my thing is my thing is I really. Uh, I have played it, and I, the look and feel of that game is like I want to give it game of the year based on that. But I stealth games are not my thing. I like to brute force my way through stuff, and, mm-hmm. and I, I sort of gave up after the first couple of hey, sit here and wait for five minutes while they walk by, and then sneak two feet, and then sit here and wait while they walk by again, and then sneak two feet. And if you get caught, you are going to get wiped out in no time flat. That's just not my. I I. I I that's just not my type of game. I like to be able to actually kill people. Well, let me tell you, Oliver. Um, I also did not care for the thing I didn't care for most was the human combat, and I skipped all of that. I said no. I don't. This is bad. I, I don't want anything to do with that. But for the machines, if you get traps, what I did was I just go around their entire zone, setting traps when they weren't in areas. Then I call them over and I just sit behind them, like sliding around. And I have so many gifts of me, like <laughs> running through areas, <laughs> just, just like getting chased by these giant tiger saber tooth type things coming at me. And I'm just like hoping they blow up through the bombs I left behind. <laughs> it's fun. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I would definitely uh, say that there's, there's certainly a stealth approach. But if you want to be more, uh, more going guns blazing, it just takes a little bit more time to just give yourself some traps to put down so that you're not uh, running from them on the map, then running from the next thing that's chasing you, then running from the next thing that's chasing you. <laughs> um, it, it's definitely a game you have to do a little planning for, though. There's no way you can just walk up on a Thunderjaw and just start shooting and be like, oh, we're going to go. We're going now. <laughs> and therein lies the rub. Because in the beginning of the show, my attention span is limited. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, in terms of PlayStation 4 games, though, they are uh, going on to a new frontier or horizon, if you will. Um, as they are now hitting the PlayStation Now service um, for the first time. So PlayStation Now was announced and launched way back around the time of the launch of the PlayStation 4. And then it was actually brought about in, I think, 2014. Let me just look really quickly. Um, and it it was a service that came about with a a weird (laughs) a weird conundrum where it's like oh man there's a lot of games on this but you have to stream them over a uh a fast internet connection for it to be playable um and now that problem seems to become or now they hopefully have solved that problem with the introduction of playstation 4 games on playstation now as well um does this entice either of you to look into this service at all no. No. <laughs> I mean, it kind of goes back to what I've been saying a lot this whole this whole time. There are a lot of really good new games coming out all the time, and I just, like, 
I just don't have the patience. Unless there's something really, really enticing um, that I've been thinking about playing for a while, I'm not. I'm not gonna start looking back into services like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know that Oliver was mentioning Xbox Game Pass, and uh, there are some things like Xbox Game Pass that PS4 just announced, or PlayStation just announced, or PlayStation now, um, in terms of pricing. So, for those who are new users, um, you'll get a nine ninety nine price point for your first month um, until it goes back to the regular arrangement of the subscription plan, in which you can do a monthly plan or a three month plan or a yearly plan. So the month-long plan is $20 a month. The three-month plan is $45 for three months or 15 bucks a month. And then the year plan is $100 right now. So you can get a hundred, you can pay for a, you can pay $100 for a year of PlayStation Now, and that includes 500 plus games, about 450 PS3 games, and about 50 now PS4 games on there. So, interesting service. I've tried it before, but the internet connection was not good, so I couldn't really say anything about it. I may try it again, but yeah, it's as you said, there's so many things that are new coming out that I want to buy. I don't really have a lot of time to go back and play games. And if I did, like we just said, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor is $4 right now. Eventually, something gets to a price point where I'll just buy it and not worry about like getting it on a service or something like that. Well, um, that's, and that's, I mean, <clears throat> I like the game pass because it's, uh, it does PS now only a little bit better. I mean, it, you can download the game. So you're not, I tried PS now when it first came out and, and it had the same sort of issues with connectivity and, and the speed and streaming. So I like game pass more because it's not a streaming issue. <clears throat> if there was a time when I only had a Vita and an Xbox 360 and if that was still the case now, I'd probably be a little more excited about being able to play a PS4 game on the Vita. But I have a PS4, so that addition doesn't, you know, mean anything to me these days. And I've never, uh, you know, whatever whatever PS3 games there were, I I can play those on Xbox Game Pass or Xbox backwards compatibility. Most of it, I don't know any singular ps3 games that i've been dying to play so i've did, i've never gone back to ps now once i tried it out yeah yeah i think really the only thing that would be compelling is if you were playing like playstation's uh exclusives but like literally every playstation exclusive i want to play on ps3 i did um, <laughs> at some point either by way of a sale that happened or ps plus or any of those things. This is really great for people who are new to consoles, though, or people who have a PC and have never played PlayStation exclusives. Like, this makes it available for them now to do that. Um, and at $100 for a year, that's a really good price point, too. So um, I think that's um, pretty good. And if you all are considering it, not you all, but the, the audience, if they are considering it, um, that deal lasts until September 22nd, specifically. Um, so once September 22nd hits, it'll go back to regular pricing in which there is no annual option. Um, so uh, I imagine if enough people buy it at that price point, though, they'll probably bring it back. So we'll see. Where Meanwhile, those giant punks keep raising the prices for PlayStation View. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, that is a story that I I missed. Um, so they raised the price to forty dollars from thirty dollars. The I believe. the low the lowest the lowest uh, level that you can get uh, went from thirty twenty nine ninety nine to thirty nine ninety nine, which I am annoyed by because I had that, and honestly, and I, I'm like doubly annoyed because they used to have a lot more channels. They got they gutted like a ton of really good channels a while back. Mm -hmm. um, from their cheapest service, and now they're trying to charge us more for it. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't really need your subscription that badly. I don't. I mean, if I'm gonna pay like a hundred dollars a month for like the, or I don't think it's a hundred, whatever the most expensive plan is, then mm -hmm. I'm just gonna like get a different TV service that has the channels that I want. Yeah, it's a interesting conundrum with PlayStation View because I thought that it was crazy that they were charging only thirty bu thirty bucks a month for a subscription. That included ESPN. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, but here's the thing: like, it doesn't. It only sort of like includes ESPN. Like, right. they they have like the special ESPN channels that like have you know I don't know what do they have? They like NASCAR on them or whatever. Yeah, they don't. They don't actually show any good sport. <laughs> but what it allowed you to do is because you had the PlayStation View subscription, you could actually just go to the Watch ESPN app. Use your yes, PlayStation View subscription and watch ESPN. It was like thirty bucks a month for an ESPN subscription, and you know all the other like random channels. Though the problem was they didn't have local channels for most of the places. Um, yes, or at least in Atlanta they didn't have that. No, this is completely true. <laughs> um, so for me, it was just kind of like when I was moving, I was looking at what's the price difference between me paying for internet and paying for cable versus the internet and paying for PlayStation View. And it was like, at this point, the way cable is bundled, a a plan is only $40 to start. So essentially, uh, if you want a good internet connection and PlayStation View, you'll probably pay the same amount as a good internet connection and cable. So <laughs> I guess we'll see how that ends up working out for them. I uh, It'll be very interesting. Um in terms of other online services that have been announced recently, though, Nintendo Online is launching with Splatoon 2. Uh, Rebecca, can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of uh, Nintendo Online, Splatoon 2, and uh, some of the new weapons and things that will be in there? Yeah, so i got to be kind of careful here. So the Nintendo Online portion is very interesting. It is still not the full service. Um, that's still not coming until 2018. But until the full service, whatever the hell that means comes out um it will be free for everyone to use um and at, after the full service comes out in 2018 it'll be 20 dollars a month or 20 dollars a year i'm sorry um and it it's coming out with splatoon 2 specifically and i can't i couldn't quite tell from the nintendo direct how this is going to work but it seems that nintendo online is its own app and then i don't know if it's either separate apps or if it like contains these other like mini things but there's a specific Splatoon 2 app kind of thing. Um, and it's actually a very useful thing. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. It lets you, um, it lets you see what stages are in rotation currently, um, what uh, modes are available currently, which is really useful. Um, there was actually an external free app that was offered with the, fr um, the first Splatoon that was some third party that was doing it that actually showed you what stages were up at any given moment. So you can kind of look at them and say, well, do I want to play Splatoon? Do I not want to play Splatoon? And you look at it's a couple crappy stages and you're like, oh yeah, I don't really want to fall off more eight towers again. So I'm just not going to do it. Um, you can also like look at gear um, from the app. You can look at your gear. You can look at other people's gear that you've played with recently. Um, and then you can uh, team up 
with people and it'll let you use voice chat um, through your phone, which is great, I guess, kind of. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, if you're allowed to do that, you can use the team chat um, in Splatoon. Um, other than that, there's a bunch of other neat stuff. Um, they showed off a couple new stages that look really neat. Um, there's a concert stage. There's um, what looks like a shipyard. It looks like they're bringing back both Port Mackerel and Moray Towers. Um, and they're going to have like some different obstacles. They're going to actually make use of the sponges and the rails, which I liked. I thought those were great elements in single player, but they never put them in multiplayer. So I'm glad that they're incorporating them in some way. Um, sorry, I'm, I've got the game for review, so I'm trying really hard to make sure that I don't accidentally say anything that I know from the review. <laughs> <laughs> um, they got some new weapons. Um, it looks like that, and they intend to continue rolling out content for two years after launch instead of one year, which I think is great. Um, mm -hmm. new weapons, new stages coming out periodically. Um, they also announced, so I think this is the best thing, is they announced a Splatfest, um, which is actually next week. And if you remember them from the first game, Splatfests are where you pick a team, you pick like hot dogs or burgers, um, Pokemon Red or Pokemon Blue, Callie or Marie, and totally alter the story of Splatoon 2. Um, but this one's going to be ice cream versus cake. You pick one side, and then during the Splatfest period, you can play Turf War. And if you play Turf War, you earn points for your team by winning and less points for losing. And then whichever side wins, you get um, bonus usable items in game. And the Splatfest is actually happening next Saturday um, from 3 to 7 Pacific time. Um, and it's before the game's out, but I, I think it'll be probably via free download the same way the Global Test Fires were, so everybody can play, whether you're... I mean, it's reviewers can play, also, obviously, which is really great for us because it gives us a chance to actually play with a lot of people online and get a taste for how the game's going to work. Um, but everybody can play, um, and I they didn't explicitly say this, but I, I would guess it would be very stupid of them not to offer some sort of reward in the full game if your team wins the Splatfest. So I'm kind of hoping that's what they go with. Um, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that. So I haven't been following this game that closely because I don't have a Switch. There, There is going to be a single-player like story mode in this, too? Yes, definitely. There was one in the first game, and there is one in the second game. There was one in the first game? I missed yes, that Yes, there was. Did you I play the first that. game? I played the first game for a while, and then I think I stopped playing it. They, How did they you? Must That's have... interesting that you missed that. It was... Okay. <laughs> Well, it's just like, I mean, it's not like, it's not a super in-depth anything, but it's like right in front of the tower and they kind of guide you to it. So I'm, I'm just interested. It's just interesting that you missed it. You got like, you got like extra gear and stuff unlocked out of it. Huh. Oh, well, you know. The more you, you know. might, uh, if you do intend to pick up a Switch and play Splatoon 2, you might want to. I mean, it's only a. I think the one in the first game is only a few hours long. You might want to consider playing through that just because it sounds like. Purely based on the directs they've shown so far, it seems like the story in the first game is going to carry into the second game. Hmm. And there is lore. Deepest lore. But Do I get it... to read about it online? You could probably read about it online. But is it in the game? <laughs> is it in the game? It is in the game. It is definitely in the game. EA, it's in the game. You guys remember oh when that was a thing? God, oh, yeah. yeah. Remember when EA was like all about things being in games? Um, <laughs> well, if, uh, Oliver, if you are looking for some great old, uh, Xbox, um, games that are single player shooters, 
um, with online components. You also have Halo 3, ODST, Halo 4, and Halo Anniversary on Xbox One backward compatibility starting this month with the Halo Summer Celebration. They will include free map pack downloads for all the add-on packs for those games as well. Additionally, there will be a Halo 5 Guardians 4K update coming soon to Xbox One X. Yeah, Xbox One. <laughs> I confused myself because I was like, they didn't really name it that, did they? <laughs> oh, they did. <laughs> but yeah, there's a 4K update for Halo 5 Guardians coming to the Xbox One X at a future date as well. So those things will be available to you through Xbox One backwards compatibility soon. I don't know Woot. what that means to you all. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Martin with the Screen Looker Podcast. Unfortunately, we ran into a few technical difficulties um, with the recording about an hour in. So we had one conversation that we went through. We talked. It was an additional maybe 20 or so minutes. Uh, and it all ended up getting flubbed for some reason or another. So with that, right now I have here with me Rebecca Valentine. And I'm back. <laughs> and we are going to talk about something different than what we already talked about. I'm again. speaking to you from a different point in the past than we were before. <laughs> you know, I just watched Hot Tub Time Machine 2, so that's what? even more funny. <laughs> Okay, so I apologize if this is like apparently some like really good movie that won a bunch of awards, mm -mm. but that sounds like the name of some crappy little thing you find on Netflix Look. that has like a, a half a star rating. What is that? So Hot Tub Time Machine, the first movie was a movie with like John Cusack, um, Craig Robinson, and a couple other comedians. And the idea is that they end up going back in time through this time machine. They're like all together as guys at this old ski house they were at when they were younger. And then they go back in time with their older selves, like like with their older minds in their younger bodies. So then <laughs> they can like relive that time frame, you know, one of them has like this girl they were talking to. They have like this, uh, like this. Uh, there's a girl who is the like uh, embodiment of everything that they all, all want that they call the white buffalo. And they say it like that every single time. <laughs> I'm gonna keep on imagining that this is a half a star thing on Netflix. It look, I never said it was good. <laughs> hot tub, hot tub, time machine is a funny movie. Hot Tub Time Machine 2 is a terrible movie. It wow. has some funny seeds, but yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> I'm sorry I derailed us with the description of this weird movie. <laughs> Man, there's there's so many things, so many things you could go into on that. But either way, the whole point of mentioning it was they time traveled into the future but it was an alternate timeline of the future wherein the thing that they were trying to stop in the future or in the past was actually going to happen in the future because it was going to be, you know what? Not going to finish this. Um, <laughs> so uh, what I wanted to talk about, Rebecca, 
um, today was more or less just, you know, we're discussing now for the site, you know, all about top 50 games. Like, what are the top 50 games of all time? Like, in your opinion, or in my opinion, or in someone else's opinion, to try to come down to a consensus on what the top 50 games of all time are for the site. Um, mostly because we don't want only one person to write a really like one-sided leaning of like their perspective. We would like multiple perspectives and things like that. So the question is, what is, or what does make a game stand out to you? Like in many years later, like what games sort of stand out to you and, and kind of why do they? And I guess we can kind of do this as like, we don't have to go very long, but, you know, if you want to give a game, then I'll sort of give a game and then we can sort of talk about, you know, what makes games stand out to us. Is that well, I actually good? kind of wanted to ask you about something sort of specific to that discussion. So mm-hmm. one of the problems I've been having um, is that I, I, I gamed a little bit like as a kid. I've been into Pokemon since Gold and Silver um, and I played a couple older games, but for the most part, I really didn't get into gaming like really seriously until pretty much this generation of games like I played a little bit on PS3 and Xbox 360 but I'm relatively new to the broad world of great games Mm -hmm. and so there's when we first looked at this list there were a ton of titles near the top that are really really old titles um you know games that had been out for however long and it it's it's just an interesting conversation to have as to how how top how heavy should the list be in older games like are are we looking too much at nostalgia when we're looking at those older games um when in fact there are newer games that have taken those building blocks that the older games gave them and made that genre better like mm-hmm. what i i think a really good example of this was breath of the wild and um, ocarina of time and we were trying to decide if both or one of them should be on the list mm-hmm. over over the other one and it, it was like a really serious discussion about well ocarina of time like provided the entire setup for Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild realized it. So did they both go on the list? Does one of them go on the list? What do we do? <laughs> right. Well, and I'm like, I, I'm in a weird position because I tried to play Ocarina of Time a couple years ago and it just did not age well for me. I could not connect to that game. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. kick it off the list. I mean, I'm sure, like, I recognize its greatness in terms of gaming history, but I just don't enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah. But apparently that's a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> you know... As somebody who has watched and played a lot of Ocarina of Time and not much of many of the other Zelda games, I definitely agree that it doesn't necessarily age well. Like, I think the format of the game ages well. Like, if they're. Yes, agreed. Like, the idea of you have an opening act, you have like this rising action, you hit this crescendo. And you think that the falling action is going to be like in this same world, but then like you actually travel through time. And that's really the like the actual point of your your climax point is there. And then everything that you do in the future is meant to rectify the past. And I think that that's a very interesting concept of what they pulled off there. Um, But then. You know, I mean, there's there's been there actually hasn't been a number of games that use time travel that way. But there are other games within the genre that do other things very well 
in terms of being this open world game with like quartered off areas and like the special tunes that you have to put in. So I think the structure of Ocarina of Time is what makes it timeless, even if many of the mechanics and the way that it works ultimately does not age very well. Um, if any of that made any sense. It does. It's just, it's difficult to talk about because, I mean, 50 games sounds like a lot, but it really isn't when you start making the list, especially once you start ending up with multiple games from the same series on there. And that's, that may be well-deserved because there are some series that have just done so many things well. But here's one that you might feel a little more passionate about. We talked about the Mario games. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you made a really compelling argument in that like we had, I think we had like three or four of the old Mario platforms on there for a while. And mm-hmm. like, they're they're good like they are very good but Mm -hmm. and and maybe you can play them now but there are so many platformers out there the genre is just so saturated and you can play those up against so many other platformers and who's to say that those are the best ones just because they're old and they establish the genre and everybody knows their names like i love ori in the blind forest like passionately i thought it was a wonderful game it had really great platforming it had great use of skills the story was great the music was great it's one of my favorite games ever that's not going to make the list even Mm -hmm. though i would rather play that in a heartbeat than mario and that's like personal preference to a degree but i think everybody can name who who everybody who plays platformers can name a platformer that they enjoy better than super mario world brothers to deluxe <laughs> Luigi, you. It's never two. It's it's never it's two never in that two. conversation. No, and that's probably a really unpopular opinion too, because I know I know those games are like really important and classic, and I I know I know I know, but I just like I play them and they're fun, but it's just like not. I'm, I'm, my mind is not blown by these games. So maybe the, it should be. The, I'm sort of similar to you in a way, like just sort of to come back to the original premise of the question. In that I didn't ever own any PlayStation or Xbox console until I bought my PlayStation 3 in 2009. So literally, for the most of my life, I've mostly played Nintendo games. And like I have some memories of actually playing like Sega games and Sonic and stuff. And I played some PlayStation games. But for the most part, like I have no nostalgia for for many of those titles. And, you know, my household wasn't exactly primed with like japanese rpgs and stuff like when we had super nintendo we played like uh we had super mario kart and stuff like that and and for the most part like i just don't have a a strong hold for what those old games did but like i do think there are things about those types of games that stand out um more for nintendo than for others because while Nintendo you... were very much pioneers <laughs> yeah. in the early days, I think. As well, cynical as you may be about them now. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, what Nintendo did with a lot of games was different than others because everyone, and you can even see it today still, too. Like, there's more developers now that do things in ways that can be attributed to Nintendo, which is all credit to them. So when you have a game like... Um, you get a game like Horizon Zero Dawn. It's not closed off at all. Like you can go wherever you want from the get go, but it does have like sections of the story, and it functions in a way that follows along with the old design models of like these areas of the map open to you as they're needed. And 
you know, back then it was really, as far as I'm concerned, at least for most of the titles that I played, like if you were playing like a, a, a Sega console, like I mostly think of like Streets of Rage style games, which end up being Streets of Rage or Golden Axe or like other things in that similar capacity where you're just side scrolling and beating things up. And on the other side, Nintendo was making like a platforming game like Super Mario World where you jump in there and you have all these things that are familiar to you. And then on one level, you get a cape and now you're flying (laughs) and like like and like with other games like it doesn't there's not these other levels to the game like what you get is what you get but then for nintendo games it's always this is the base level understanding of how to play this game now we're going to throw all these different variables in there to you which is why i think that regardless of how great like other super mario 64 like 3d open world type games are i do think super mario 64 is the best one because it combines so many more things of what makes the classic mario games good and bringing them forward into the 3d world and i think it kind of gets lost in some of the other gimmicks of either being in space or having the water gadget and it's another reason why I'm... <laughs> I do love the water gadget, but I agree with you. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, there was Metal Mario. There was Flying Mario. You had, um, like, you had the old boxes that came up. Like, you would have to go to different levels. And when you actually hit those boxes, now they're available in all the worlds. Like, that was part of all old school Mario level design, as you all saw when you were playing uh, yes. uh, Super Mario World on your stream. So I think there are levels to things that in the way in which Nintendo did them that makes Super Metroid or or a game like Metroid Fusion somewhere in like a classic 2D platformer where other 2D platformers that I played that are also good just don't really hit that spot um, in, in, in the same way because they don't add those extra layers to them. What you get is what you get, and then you play a story from plot point to plot point until you finish it. Um, and I think the thing that makes Nintendo's older games stand out, and especially games like uh, Super Metroid or Super Mario World, Super Mario 64, or even some other classic Japanese games like... Um, you know, obviously, you know, I was talking about how I don't necessarily have high esteem for Final Fantasy six or three, but like I would never say that there's n- no merit to it at all because it does throw in a lot of random elements that you don't get in modern RPGs and things anymore. Um, so that's when I think older games pull themselves into the conversation when their conventions aren't used in any new per like in any new ways in that kind of thing so that's why i think like a game like super mario 64 and all of its outdated design decisions in terms of like world design i think in terms of using the antiquated like approach of the mario platformers that were 2d and bringing them into the 3d world are what makes it sort of stand out from like all of the rest of those as an older game so I guess my question to you then would be, mm-hmm. what would it take from Super Mario Odyssey to basically, I don't really want to say replace, but let's go ahead and say replace Mario 64 for you on that list. Because the, prob- the problem we run into like that is then we just end up with a list of 50 old games that we really like and that basically defined their genres. 
and we don't ever move forward and we basically look at the list and say, well, we haven't improved. Yeah, what would I, it take from Mario Odyssey? What would it take from Mario Odyssey to improve? Um, so I think that, and and we all know that my general approach to Mario Odyssey is that I just kind of don't understand. <laughs> you wrote this beautiful article about New Dog City. You totally understand. <laughs> like I, like I just the things that are happening in the Mario Odyssey stuff. I just kind of am like when I. So here's what would have to happen. Like when I sat down and I played it, like the thing that I want to see is that the hat trick isn't the only trick in the game. Like with Super Mario 64, the very first hat that you see in the game is his flying hat. It's on the cover when you buy it. So it's not a surprise in there when you get in there and you're flying around. But then you get Metal Mario and like you're sinking to the bottom of the ocean and you're trying to do this mission before time runs out because otherwise you're going to have to try to swim all the way to the top again in order to survive. So like what would make Mario Odyssey stand out more to me? It would definitely be that sense of that next level of Nintendo where there's the surface level of things that you do. Like you're obviously going to be Mario. You're running around, you're doing things. And like now you can suck yourself into people in some kind of way. But that's a way to phrase that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that is a way to phrase it. <laughs> but if you can, if you then take that and it goes into more ways about the various different things you can do, um, and goes has like a deeper level even beyond that of different abilities that you have. Um, I think that that would be what what takes the cake for me. But um, I don't think that necessarily having that understanding that a an old genre that died and the best game from that genre doesn't necessarily have to be on the list, though, if that makes sense. Like, right. Streets of Rage 2 is probably the best, to me at least, the best of like side-scrolling platformers where you fight things. And there aren't very many of those games like that anymore um, that are like multiplayer and you're just literally walking across a stage until it ends. And then <laughs> and then you go to the next level. And you walk across the stage until it ends. There's not really much platform or anything. Um, maybe TMNT Turtles in Time, maybe another one like that. But there hasn't been a lot of those games in recent history. But I don't think that genre is a is necessary to be represented on a top 50 list. Um, right. I'm not saying we just take the best game of every genre and put mm -hmm. it on the list. I think that's a poor way to approach it, but yeah, I don't know. I just, that was like the one big hangup I had when picking games in general, because I mean, I even, I even had that problem when I try to do like lists of Pokemon games, because I do have to do that pretty frequently for my various Pokemon related exploits. And <laughs> I love gold, silver and crystal. And I think they're amazing. And I, Every time I have to have this argument with myself, are these really the best Pokemon games? Have we really not improved since Gen 2? And mm -hmm. it's a really hard conversation because we have. We've improved a lot of individual systems, but there's still just something about Gold, Silver, and Crystal overall that I think makes them the best. And I will even get vicious about Heart, Gold, and Soul, Silver because as I was reminded through SGDQ, those games had some interesting little quirks that I do not <laughs> like, and I do not think they are better than Gold, Silver, and Crystal. Yeah, I think um, it's, uh, it's... It's just a really tough conversation. Yeah, I think, you know, the games that it becomes probably most difficult for me 
is is modern games to put on the list because yeah. you know when i'm looking at the uncharted series like i think the uncharted series has a representation uh that should be on the top 50 games list of all time but which game is that because <laughs> i don't think two of them need to be on the list you know no, like, two of them do not need to be on the list <laughs> like, that very easily. right like if if you if you were like uncharted 2 was like this like it was a game changing moment in in uh in video games in terms of the cinematics on display and the action adventure stuff like I would perfectly agree with you, but I also played Uncharted 4, and I thought that it refined combat a lot better. I thought that the set pieces in it were just as extraordinary, even if they were a little bit shorter. But being shorter, they also didn't seem to have the ability to seem to run long at times, like some in Uncharted 2 did. So I'm just, I think about it, and I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I should pick whatever I think is the best in this series and just place it on there. But then the problem with that is you have some series that have lasted for years. So like final fantasy gets like, you're like, Six. I, <laughs> where's daniel did he just like twitch somewhere he's twitching he's twitching he's like, somewhere like on, on the bus on for work and he's like did someone just try to imply that final fantasy 6 wasn't the best final fantasy game <laughs> i can't wait to listen to this yeah you know it's not even that it's not the best final fantasy game it's just like when when i think about like what things that i love about like rpgs or japanese rpgs or things like that like most of it's not represented in that series like or, or i should say in that game like you have some of the stuff obviously the the format of like your turn-based combat and all that stuff and and everything in that nature but like the high level like visual effects and stuff like that that i think final fantasy was the one to like bring that into play as a series for like Japanese RPGs and these big games, like these elaborate cutscenes about like what each character is and like how they have these connections to the different players who call on them. I thought that that was a great aspect of Final Fantasy X in, in terms of what that brought to the table. And I think that while the voice acting may not age very well in that game, <laughs> like I, I that is a rather <laughs> cheap joke that we tend to make at Final Fantasy X. But. Yeah, but like voice acting doesn't travel well in most games from that time period. And even now, as we've seen Symphony with Mass of Effect, the Night, Symphony of the Night is definitely going to be on this list. And Symphony of the Night has terrible voice acting. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. Um, but no, so I was thinking, like, you know, if I were to be making this um, this big, like, big deal about, like, what Final Fantasy game I think should be represented on the list, like, there's so many games that have just taken this concept and, like, run with it. And I actually think that, you know, my biggest problem with Final Fantasy VI is actually more or less the story that I didn't really care about because my biggest issue is like i think the villain is a cartoon like he's literally a cartoon character and if i was a child playing it i'd be like oh man that's really bad but i played it as an adult and looking back at it 
and like seeing what it is, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen that. They came on every Saturday. You could see it from start to finish. The villain would be ridiculous over the top. He'd have a high pitched laugh with a ridiculous face. And then you would stop him in the end. And that was the goal. And so, you know, that doesn't really stand out for me. Whereas I thought that the story of like Titus's relationship to his father and the relationship between religion and the environment and the world of Final Fantasy X was more universal um, in terms of how that lasted. And, and so that's sort of the thing that I've been focusing on is like what video game stories or what stories that have been told through video games are the ones that I have like latched on to? Because those are the things that I remember. Um, like even God of War, as much as God of War is about one static character who never changes, the world around him changes as a result of his actions. And you see the way that everyone like turn like it's first on his side, then turns against him as the story of it goes on. So I, I just kind of was like, you know, is God of War one of the top 50 games ever? I don't know. I, I, I can't tell, but on my list, it's probably in there. <laughs> see, my problem with RPGs is I have a whole other unpopular opinion about those. I feel that right now the genre is kind of stagnated a lot and I, mm-hmm. I play a lot of RP- new RPGs now and I'm like, wow, I feel like I played this a million times before. It hasn't really gone anywhere recently that I've been super happy about. I'm one of the I think, don't you and I share this opinion that we were like simultaneously not super thrilled about Skyrim like everyone else does or was that someone else? Oh no, that's that's me. Um, but yeah, I was like, It was fine, <laughs> like, it was good, I enjoyed it. I really liked the music a lot because I love Jeremy Sewell but mm-hmm. I'm just like not completely enraptured by that game but you know what that game that game's going on the list because it just is i guess i'm not making the list so i don't know maybe it won't (laughs) the thing is is with the thing i find with most modern rpgs is like and with just generally i feel like there's a a lack of uh maybe creativity is the word it might not be but creativity is the word i'm gonna go with for lack oh i gotcha i gotcha Um, but like when I think of a modern RPG, like I think of a indiscriminate person riding on a horse through this open field in, no, it's, it's, it's not, (laughs) it's, it's it's a white guy with a sword. You know what it is. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, exactly that. Like it's, it's a grizzled white guy on a horse riding through a, uh, an open field, and it's medieval times, and he's the gentleman among all of the other terrible people in the land. And there's not many of them, I think, kind of break that mold. Even something like, uh, like there are RPG type games, like action RPGs. The Witcher, the Witcher was that. really good. The Witcher was a great game, but it's still like <laughs> still this, that. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. It's just that. Uh, and I was like, I, I'm not as enthralled with that as I used to be. And that might be one of the, I mean, I was like, I know I'm like way more obsessed than I should be with Undertale, but I think that was one of the reasons why I really did like it is because it just, it wasn't the same as anything else I was playing at the time. And that really caught me. And there's a, there's a few other games like that too. I just use that because that's the example that jumps to mind readily. But generally the games that do really interesting things are these small titles that no one's ever going to put on a top 50 list. Cause right. like, I don't know. They just are, I don't know. I just think, we need, we're going to make one because that's what we're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think it's important to talk about those big games that have made a difference and 
popularity is something really important to take into account because if no one plays your game, then, I mean, right. why didn't anyone play your game? Right. Maybe there were good reasons for that. Maybe there weren't. But, yeah. you know, those those big genre-changing games are really important, and it's important to recognize them and talk about them and what made them so great. But I don't know. It's just, like, it's it's weird when you're actually part of the people who are helping make the list because then you just have all these, like, ridiculous <laughs> questions. Right. Now, the question I have for you, because um, we'll wrap up here soon, is what do you think is the most unpopular choice you will uh, add to your top 50 games list or your most controversial choice to put on there? Oh, so like, like if I was personally making the list? Yeah, like if you were personally making the list and you were to post it online and, and oh, people could okay. respond. Okay. What do you think would be um, the game that would be the biggest? Oh, today? that's really hard. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got like some generic ones on there that everyone's going to pick. Like, you know, Corona Trigger's on there. Um, Pokemon's on there. Um, God, what do I even like? Um, <laughs> uh, I think I think if I put... I, I would definitely put Undertale on mine if it was a personal list. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that would probably get a lot of people up in arms because... There are a lot of people who are, like, unduly obsessed with this game, and there are a lot of people who, like, hate it because of the people who are unduly obsessed with this game, and so I think it would just, like, like cause a big fuss. Um, also, right. like, I would totally, and I, I've i kind of, like, subtly hinted that I would put a Sim game on mine, or at least several Sim games on mine, because I think that, especially The Sims, like, it's mm-hmm. not personally my favorite game, but The Sims is, like, a really damn big deal. Right. And it's it's one of those games that people who don't play a lot of other games play, and so mm-hmm. I think it's really important for that reason. But I also, like, if it was just my personal list, I would probably put one of the Animal Crossing games on it just because those games make me happy. And if I'm making the list, I'm going to put games on it that make me happy. <laughs> but I, re- I recognize that, like, that doesn't have the reach. So it's not, like, it probably doesn't go on, like, an actual top 50 list. Well, I think that, you know, the simulation that I would think of adding the most would probably be Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, uh, someone brought that up to me. And I that's, was like, that's hmm. too. I'd, I'd get behind that. I was like, I think Roller Coaster Tycoon definitely would belong on that kind of list just because, you know, and then there's other things that are like lifelong classics that are just never going to be beaten in their genre, like Tetris, that will just like they have to be on the list. Are we not bored of Tetris yet? Can we stop putting it on these lists? That's another (laughs) one. I'm like, like, I know, I know it's important. I know it's so important. It, It is good. It's very clever. We still play it. It's all, it's reach is crazy. But I just like, I pick up Tetris and I'm like, wow, okay, I'm like done with Tetris now. (laughs) <laughs> why do we keep having to have more and more iterations of tetris i don't know it, i just i would rather play new things it's the monopoly of video games like monopoly is the classic board game that i, like... know, I don't even like monopoly <laughs> <laughs> oh i know when the rest of the staff hears this podcast they're just gonna skewer me for my bad video game opinions <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. We we all have them. You know, I think that the one that will be uh, the biggest addition of mine is kind of the fact that it's so recent. But I genuinely, genuinely do genuinely. not think there are more than maybe 15 games I've ever played that are better than Horizon Zero Dawn. That's um, not, that's not, you can you can make that judgment. I think I think if you can make that judgment, I think you should be able to say that if we're allowed to try to say Breath of the Wild goes on that list. But I think but like it's more or less reason. where it's at, like to be I'm near like, like the top ten, 
as a game that came out three months, well, four months ago, is is where I think that the pushback would come from because it's 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 recency bias. Like, is it really that much better yep. than all these yep. others? But you know, as somebody who played Skyrim, like it was refreshing to play a game that took place in a place that wasn't familiar, like there weren't castles in this in this land really like you had this structure that was built in in the Karja area but it was more akin to like a roman coliseum than it was to a uh to the like medieval time stuff that we see in a lot of games like even yeah. you know like i feel I like i didn't play one. horizon but i i liked I like thinking about it, and I would I, if I had time, I'd love to play it. Its setting does like really draw you because there are things that are familiar to you, like dinosaurs are familiar to you, primitive societies are familiar, robots are familiar. But putting them all together and then putting them together in the way that Horizon did it, is not something that we've seen before. And yeah. they put it together in such a way that they could tell a really compelling story, from what I understand. Yeah, like it's it's one of the few games that have ever been actually personally affecting where you're watching this person who is born without a mother trying to find where where that connection is like where is her mother how does how can she find her and she goes on a hero's journey to do so starting small and then getting bigger as things progress and and it all has that many of those dynamics of what i feel like is like the 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 old Nintendo style of you start small and then as things expand, like you're doing way more things than you ever thought you would. Um, so that's the one that I think would probably be the most controversial because of where I'd place it in terms of just being most controversial as an addition. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't think very many people, like I, I mentioned it before, but I really don't think very many people have a high point of view of the god of war games um and i think that a lot of people um or i think that you know i think i mentioned it the other day that i thought god of war 3 had like really great visuals and they were saying that bayonetta 2 is like the opening scene of god of war like all throughout it but i've never played that so my list would definitely have god of war 3 as like one of the top 50 games of all time as well just from a like expanding the scope of what you're able to view on a screen and how it looks and what you're doing and like the switching of multiple vantage points. Uh, um, and I actually think <laughs> I've been playing near automata today and I'm reminded of how great it is. I don't know if it'll go on my top 50 list, but I was trying to think of like the games that would offer the similar kinds of variety as it does as well. Um, and I and I wasn't really coming up with any, but I don't know if that means it's a top fifty game just because it's unique in that right. aspect, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was a cool discussion. We I don't think it we was. ever actually answered the original question, which no, is... we did not. And I kind of derailed <laughs> us really bad. I'm sorry. No, it's I just fine. I I've been thinking about that for a while in terms of the list because I I actually have a drafted list, but I'm like really afraid to send it to Daniel because I'm just like he's just gonna judge me so hard, and then the whole staff is gonna judge me so hard, and then I'm gonna judge them. Yeah, yeah. For their terrible video game Yeah, I mean we all have them. I certainly do. I no, I am I'm certainly sure. not afraid to share my terrible opinions. Um, no, I just need to fight people and do it. So the I guess if 
if you did have to name one thing though like what is i know you said games will go on the list that make you happy is that kind of like where you sort of start the process of making this list yeah i think i think probably like two things maybe i think is it does it does it make me maybe not happy but am i happy i played it Am I happy I played the game? Because like some games, like like scary games, don't make you happy in the moment, but you can be happy that you played them. Right. Um, and maybe that maybe that's still not quite the right word, um, because there's other games that like made me feel like really emotional in different ways, and I don't know. But a- am I glad I played it? And I don't know. Um, does it does it further the medium? I think is something really important to me because I came I came from a background of, of like a lot of literary criticism and. Mm-hmm. So it maybe not stories necessarily, but like, is that your phone? Yeah, that was my phone. Uh, Sorry. Does Futuristic it? Techno. <laughs> maybe not necessarily. Does it do something different? But does it does it carry video games forward in some way? Because if it doesn't, then it's probably just a clone of something else that's already out there, or it's done nothing original. And it's, I mean, maybe it was fun, but it maybe wasn't worth talking about in terms of was it a best video game? Yeah. <clears throat> I think I think those definitely make sense. Mine is, you know, I have that as a a standard in terms of like what what can you look at this game and see reverberated throughout the industry afterward. Um but more than anything just for like all of the games that I put on there, it's like what do I remember about them? You know, like what stands out when I think about them? And that's why that's a better way to put it. You know, like when I think about like Super Mario 64, I think about the excitement and the thrill when you put the hat on and it turns into the music and it's like, and it just goes on and on the entire time that you're listening to that. And like you're flying up and down and like, and then it has music where it's like, and it like brings you like up and down as you're flying like it's it's crazy that it sometimes is even in rhythm with you as you're doing it um and uh like you know the star music when you're in uh when you're in uh super mario as well like that stuff stands out and so like that's kind of the standard that i have for a game for this type of list is like if I think about this game, like, is there anything that leaves an imprint on me in any kind of way that makes me want to go to bat for it to talk about like what it did and how it achieved its vision? Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at overall uh, as I look at my list. I, I'm not as far as you are. I haven't completely compiled it yet. Um but I have just been like going through my memory bank, just like thinking about like what games just stand out to me overall. And then like what games may have been important that I enjoyed, but don't really have don't they don't really register with me in terms of like my favorite games. But in terms of the importance of what they did, that's kind of where like the second half of my list is going to come from, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. But. Rebecca Ballantyne, this has been a fun conversation. Now, where can the people find you? Well, they can find me um, at Duck Ballantyne on Twitter or writing about Pokemon at ViridianForest.com, writing about general entertainment at CultureS.com or all the time at AppTrigger.com for all the video game things. 
All right. And you all can find me at GOTMAB21 on Twitter. Um, you can also find me writing things from time to time on apptrigger.com. Additionally, you can find the podcast at Screen Liquor Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can also leave us feedback on either of those. You can leave us a comment or you can just leave us a review and subscribe. Um, if you have longer thoughts, you can share them with us at screenlookerspod at gmail.com, and we'd love to read them on the show. So, with all of that being said... Do we want to try to get Oliver's information on here? Did we lose it? Oh, yeah, we did. Um, I I will have to add that in there. So, uh, you can reach Oliver, who was at the beginning of the pod... Um, you can reach him at Original O Vandy on Twitter, and you can also find his musings on the uh, the availability of different shows on Hulu uh, at HuluWatcher.com. <laughs> and you can also find his musings about video games on AppTrigger.com as well. So with all of that being said, it's been great having you all listen again today. Have a wonderful rest of your night.